Hey, Al McCoy here, and you are listening to the Solar Panel, the Phoenix Sun Show. Hello, and welcome everybody into the Sun Solar Panel. I am your host, Greg Esposito. We appreciate you watching live on YouTube or listening to the podcast. Ahoy, hoy. Glad to be joined, as always, by the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, the grandfather, Dave King. How are you, Dave? Oh, hello. How's it going? <laughs> and very excited to have another special guest host in our uh, rolling cavalcade of uh, characters that we're bringing in. He's a former Arizona Rattlers play-by-play man, used to work for Sports 360 AZ. He is a Nick Cage aficionado and a lifelong Suns fan. He is Jared Cohen. Jared, welcome to the program. It's great to be here. Fan of the show. And I'm just glad to be able to be in the same presence of you both. Oh, wow. Don't make us feel too good about ourselves. (laughs) We never, we never do, especially when we have uh, whatever the heck just happened at the beginning of the show. We're always, (laughs) we're always humbled here on the sun solar panel, but glad you used this this excuse before you've got all your stuff set up for work, streaming and stuff like that. And then on the weekends, we got to switch everything up. And sometimes you only switch a few of the things and not all of them. That was Look, I I blame the guest. I'm sure it was Jared had some weird setting that wasn't yeah, I, wasn't correct. You know, so, I like to keep you on your toes. You know, I have to make <laughs> things interesting for you, so uh, I won't well, tell the, you what the, I did. Uh, but I the did. the rolling cavalcade of characters. You had a perfect opportunity to use the brothel on two wheels. <laughs> the yes, hey, and that is a Martin Gortat reference, and he may make yeah. an appearance later in the show. Dave, why don't you tell everybody what's coming up on today's episode mm. after you you finish drinking? whatever uh alcoholic beverage that is yeah that's we'll call it coffee um let's see we are gonna finally actually go into this should we or should we not keep kelly Oubre or trade kelly Oubre? what what really should be done with that man with the flaming golden locks and who's working out at the sun's arena this offseason um we're gonna talk about that insane schedule that they're talking about for the offseason NBA to get us already playing regular season games again by Christmas. Um, we're going to talk about Devin Booker's 2K rating, Amari joining Nash's staff with the Nets. Then you guys are going to have a little Nick Cage spectrum, uh, and then Espo's big board of the week. And finally, the flaming baller bag or ball sack, as we like to call it affectionately. We'll reach in there deep today and uh, and pull out something fun <laughs> for us to discuss. Hey, before Does Jared we... know who Flaming Ballers are, uh, Jared, Jared Flaming Ballers are uh, the people who have joined uh, on YouTube or have uh, have joined via our podcast feed. Uh, you can do that. Click the join button on the YouTube page. Click the link in the description to become a supporter of the show. And you will also be known as a flaming baller. Uh, there are, I think it's a one, four, one, five and $10 options that you can, can join. We appreciate it. We also appreciate when you hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube or Facebook. If you're watching live, that helps with uh, whatever the hell those algorithms are that we all have to deal with to get views on these lovely platforms. Guys, before we jump into the topics, I wanted to bring up one thing this week that uh, became uh, uh, debate worthy on Twitter. It's my use of a hoy hoy uh, at the beginning of the show. Uh, We did a poll whether we should get rid of it or we should keep it. And it was the closest vote I have ever seen in my life. It was 
to 49.7 in favor of keeping a hoy hoy. So uh, we we will likely uh, I will likely keep that. But uh, do either of you uh, where do you guys stand on the use of uh, uh, of that as a, uh, a catchphrase at the beginning of the show? Does it stem from anything like something in your past? Does it does it is it resonate with you in some regard that it's important to you? Because that might be key in my vote here. It's a voting season where we have to pay a lot of attention and a lot of detail to these types of things. So, yes, it it, it is my love of nautical themed jokes. No, uh, it actually comes from The Simpsons. It's a, a line. Uh, from Montgomery Burns oh. on The Simpsons. So I thought it came from Gilligan's Island. N- no, it was. It's a line <laughs> that is how. Mon- I always Mr. want you to Burns, be wearing the skipper hat when you say it. it. It's how Mr. Burns used to answer the uh, in one episode answered the phone when he learned how to be self sufficient uh, uh, in in an episode, and it's always just stuck with me. And I've okay. even sarcastically answered the phone like that from time to time. So it's here to stay. So I think I, I vote yes. All right. Yes. Good. Good. uh, I I don't care. I was going to keep it regardless of what you two or (laughs) or the people on on Twitter said. But uh, yeah, I figured figured we bring it up. So let's get into it. Uh, Another thing that we want to know, should it stay or should it go? Is Kelly Oubre Jr. We've danced around this topic uh, on the show for a very long time, and now it's time to get into it. Uh, Dave had a tweet, uh, and Dave, you can get into your point. I'm not going to steal your thunder as much fun as as that is, but (laughs) Dave had a tweet that uh, Dave had a tweet earlier this week that that just made it clear it's time to talk about this. So so. Dave, I'm going to start with you. Uh, Jared, we will get to you, I promise. Uh, but but uh, I, I will let Dave start on this topic. It, should Kelly Oubre stay or should he go now, Dave? All right. So it depends on uh, which stay you're talking about. Do you mean stay for this coming season? Uh, here's the deal. Uh, for anybody... Any one Suns fan out there who doesn't quite know the Kelly Oubre situation, uh, what we've got here is we have a starting caliber small forward who makes $14 million this coming season, but he is a free agent at the end of the season when more than half the league has uh, more than $20 million to spend, assuming the salary cap goes where it's supposed to go by next year, which there's no guarantee of. But assuming that, uh, he can get a lot of cash next summer. Um, so do you trade him now and uh, move forward or do you or do you let him go next summer and replace him with somebody else? Because the Suns will have that same cash next summer. Um, that's that's really the question that I have in my mind. I don't personally need to plan for multiple years out. I would have this discussion on just being this coming season. Um, so that's my that's my starter point. My starting point is, are we talking about one season, or are we talking about multiple seasons for Kelly Oubre uh, Jr.? And Jared, what do you think? Well, I think now are we talking about should we uh, or should we trade him and have him for one more yeah, year? Yeah, because he's or? under contract. So he's under yeah. contract for this coming season. So yeah. you're either going to trade him or you're going to keep him. Okay, so if that's the case, I'm I'm leaning I'm leaning personally, and it much as it pains me to say this, because a lot of the times we look at Monty Williams as the person who's been brought in as the guy that kind of changed the culture and changed the look. Uh, but I go back to Kelly Oubre being traded to the Suns 
and how all the things that came from that, because he was the first player I can remember in a long time that actually made it fun and kind of cool to wear a son's uniform again. Uh, and the way he kind of galvanized the fan base and kind of uh, made everyone excited. He it made it look like they were having fun on the bench for the first time, maybe since, I don't know, Sean Marion was on the team. Uh, it, it, it was something that was fun to watch and it, it really resonated with me. And I think a lot of other Suns fans out there. So prefacing with that, I think now should be the time to trade him because I don't know if I see him as a long-term piece. If we're looking at it the way you are, if he's someone where you either keep him for just this year, or if you don't trade him, you're looking long-term I look at a guy who may not be the best piece to have in that position and that role past next year with some of the guys they have in the pipeline. And I also look at it as this is your best trading asset that you have this offseason and the best teams in the NBA year in and year out, offseason and offseason out, uh, always find a way to utilize their best tradable assets and maximize that. And if this is going to be an offseason where they make the jump into the playoffs, um, it might be the time to strike and, and, and make a move. But if I've learned anything from Dave King, if that move. Oh, no. Is, if, if Don't that learn move, anything from Dave King. I did learn one thing from you. And if that <laughs> move is to trade up in this year's draft, then I'm out. Like, like I'd rather have Kelly Oubre here for the next three to five years if it means trading up in this draft personally based on what I've learned from you and the college basketball I consumed this year. So. That's kind of where I'm at at the Kelly Oubre uh, situation. Look, I, I have made I have made no secret about my feelings when it comes to Kelly Oubre and whether he should be on this roster or not. A, it is the smart move to make because you are likely what not is? going. To trade him, okay. Dave apparently has not listened to any episode in the last. No, you have year. to actually say it on this one. I, okay, you can't dance around. Trade, it. trade Kelly Oubre. All right, is the stance because a, you're not going to fiscally be able to keep him. He's not going to make sense if if the plan is to keep Mikhail, is to keep DeAndre, is to is to keep Devin, and it's to try to add another uh, another piece or two to this roster to make you an actual contender. Kelly Oubre's money does not make sense in this uh, going forward. So you're likely going to lose him as a free agent. And so you have to maximize uh, your assets. That's how you how you win a championship is by making the smart trades, uh, trading a guy when you can get value for him, not letting guys walk without getting something back. And there's I think there's a market for Kelly out there this offseason, especially teams uh, teams may not want to get involved in this free agency pool because it's very shallow but they may want to add talent to the roster i mean everybody does everybody wants to try to try to improve so you you may be able to get uh, a little bit more value for Kelly Oubre since we're going to have a a, a free agency Other teams group are trying that is to improve free. how can you get more value for Kelly than what he is well i'm simply saying because there is not a lot of options out there in free agency that are going to help teams uh, improve their roster, especially 
uh, teams that were not very good, that did not have success last year, that may be desperate to try to get a little bit better with some some proven talent. Uh, you know, you may be able to get more out of them. There may be a three team deal that you can work where somebody's willing to give up a, a higher draft pick in this draft that somebody's interested in, and you can get part of that. There's all sorts of options that James Jones can get involved so, in here. So Jared learns from me, but Espo does not. You no, do I'm not, not trade saying, up in this damn draft. I'm not saying we Use want Kelly Oubre to do that. No, I'm not I saying the Suns. Listen, I'm not saying the Suns want a higher draft pick. I'm saying you can get part, become part of a deal for a team that wants to get higher in this draft. And there are, if you look at, at reports and you become that third team that trades a piece and gets something of value that's proven talent back where the other team wants the draft pick out of the deal and Kelly goes somewhere. But really to me, the reason I think that I'm most comfortable with dealing Kelly Oubre at this point is look at what happened in the bubble. Kelly Oubre did not play, right? And the ball movement was the best we saw out of this team the entire year. It was the best we saw a Monty Williams offense run. It was the best we saw this team play as a unit. Right, and it's I also don't the think, best they play defense from a rotation yeah. standpoint. Um, I don't think that's a coincidence. I think that yeah. had a lot to do with Kelly Oubre tends to be a guy on offense that the ball stops with, and without him there, the offense was more free flowing. And defense I just struggle with the bubble thing though. Like as much as the bubble was an absolute blast, and it was the most fun I'd had watching basketball in at least a decade, and the team was like you said, they were firing on all cylinders. And they played some excellent basketball. They also played teams that sat people. And they also played teams that we just caught them on the right day. But I look at the bubble and I'm like, if if we're talking about eight games in an NBA season, then aren't we also talking about if we take eight games from last year, paying Aaron Baines a max, con max contract right now? Like, <laughs> like, I really struggle with making vast decisions about our, our roster. You could also about, take that eight game losing streak in December and trade everybody on the team. Exactly. If you're going to only focus on an eight-game streak. Look, that's yeah. what I and and Jared, you guys are saying this. <clears throat> the Suns' passing was never better. Well, outside the bubble with Kelly Oubre, they led the league in assists. Um, and and this is with Kelly Oubre in the lineup. Outside the bubble with Kelly Oubre in the lineup, with that five-man uh, lineup with Mikel starting next to Kelly Oubre with Aiden and Rubio and Booker. They had the best net rating in the entire league at a plus 20.2. The problem with, with us not seeing that enough was because of Aiton's suspension and because Kelly Oubre's injury right as Aiden was getting back and, and in, in the flow. It might have even gotten better, um, that net rating. And so people say it never looked better than the bubble. Well, the overall the overall eight-game winning streak made everything look great in the bubble, and it was good in the bubble. But the lineup with Cameron Johnson was not quite as good as the lineup with Kelly Oubre around Mikel and and uh, Devin Booker and Ricky Rubio and DeAndre Ayton. Why would you give up a great lineup just to swap out your dude because you're worried he might not re-sign in a year or might want too much money in a year. How about getting the dude? Like, who are you going to trade for, by the way? You're probably going to trade for a dude who is starting caliber, 
who can switch on to just about any defender in a lineup so you don't have to uh, uh, find good matchups for him, who can drive and score on his own, who can catch and shoot. Um, Got to be nice to have a 48% catch and shoot three-point shooter in clutch. You know, at that at the, in that spot, if you're going to trade Kelly, <clears throat> you'd like him to be a fan a fan favorite. You'd like him to be somebody who you don't in in receiving him in trade. You don't think about is he here for two or three years? No, you're thinking about is he here for this next year, and then we'll see if he's worth keeping. That's you just described, I know you just described. Kelly Ubre. You just described Kelly Ubre and this Fred year. Van Fleet. You described well, Fred Van Fleet. Yeah, yeah, but the Suns oh, look. <laughs> You can't, first of all, you can't trade Ubre for Van Vliet because Van Vliet's going to be a free agent. So what do you do? You just bring him, have them both. Why don't we do both? But because they have the money. That, wait, 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 Can wait, you wait. Afford it? Yes. Well, it depends on what Fred will take. But um, the Suns the sons have almost $20 million in cap space to spend while keeping Kelly uh, and Fred Van Vliet. And people really want Jeremy Grant. But you know what? P- compare Jeremy Grant to Kelly Ubre, And Kelly Ubre actually looks like the better player. We just are. We have recency bias with watching Jeremy Grant play functional defense against some of the better players for Denver because Denver doesn't have any defenders in their lineup outside of Jeremy Grant because their defenders were were hurt for the most part. Um, but so you so he looked really good and he is a good complimentary player, but he's not better than Kelly and you don't use his space for Kelly. Kelly was. You want somebody who's going to be really effective on this team when they're playing well. He was in the Suns' best lineup all season. He was the best, one of the best lineups in the entire league. He was second on the team in points per game, second on the team in rebounds per game, third on the team in steals per game, second on the team in blocks per game, second on the league in free throw attempts per game, second on the team, and second on the team in three-point attempts per game. And he played the second most minutes. You're not going to find a better player for $14 million out there. So why are we even talking about this? Look, it's simple because it's about fit. It's about the long term. You've got to look at all this and you got to think about what are we building here? What is the plan? David, wait, here? I've got to respond to David Bailey. He's been going off in the chat right now saying that keeping Kelly puts Mikel on the bench. Actually, Kelly starts a power forward uh, would... in their best lineup in Mikel. Mikel starts at small forward. They both start. It's Cam Johnson who's coming off the bench. I and just, that lineup doesn't beat the Lakers, though. That, no. I mean, I love that lineup, and that would be so much fun against a Denver team, maybe against Portland. But, you know, you go up against the defending champs, and that lineup, I think, gets beat four times a season. Uh, maybe you sneak one out if we are playing Kelly at the four and Mikhail at the three. I well, I know the that. I know the uh, I know the league is is doing that where it's a copycat league. Whoever won the last championship, everybody wants to match, and it's so fun because for the last five years, everyone's wanted to go the small way uh, because the Warriors got one finals without uh, two bigs. Now all of a sudden, everyone has to have two bigs. Look, you can have a second big. You don't need to sacrifice Kelly to have that have that second big who can play next to Aiden. You just need to keep Kelly. Don't well, give away good players when you want to be a good team. You just damn contradicted yourself. If you bring in a guy that play next to a big to play next to uh, DeAndre Aiden, 
then you're then you're not starting Kelly at power forward, and you've created a bigger problem because now you've both benched Cam Johnson and Kelly Oubre or McCann. Why does everyone think it's only a five man roster? Well, but if you're it's if not you're a five man roster, it's a fifteen man roster, and every night yeah. eleven guys I, play. I get it, but look, look, I, I just I do not see how long term it makes sense. To to not I'm not playing ex- long term anymore. But, We're not yeah, because, on a timeline okay, anymore. Great. We're on a freaking this season. Yeah, and if you bring back Kelly Oubre and you don't do much, you just nibble around the fringes. You know what you got? A thirty-eight to forty win team who doesn't make the playoffs. You don't because know the that's Warriors all they're going to win this next that, year. you're exp- okay. It's not Kelly's the ma- fault. They won. They were on a thirty-eight win pace. It's DeAndre Ayton's fault. They're on a thirty-eight win pace because okay. he didn't play half the season. So, so if DeAndre Ayton plays uh, plays those extra twenty-five games, how many more wins do you think they get? Do you really 45. think? You really think okay, and forty-five in this Western Last Conference year, doesn't this make coming the year, this coming year they can win more. Plus, there's a play-in tournament. Okay, we'll talk about this in the next segment. But there's going to be another play-in tournament. So even if the Suns are are in ninth place or tenth place or whatever it is, they're still going to get a chance to get in. I just you know I I'd feel a little bit better if I believed that Kelly Oubre may be. Uh, would would be all right coming off the bench as well because I don't think I, he has to come off the bench. I, so okay, so if you're going to if you're going to try, I still want to sign uh, Christian uh, Wood. Over okay, Fred so Wood if you Wade. sign Christian Wood and you spend he money comes on off him, the bench. he's coming off the bench. Yes. I just I, this I just don't. He see still this. plays thirty minutes a game. So yeah. does Kelly. So does Mikel. Cam plays 25, 28. You have an eight-man rotation. It's not a five-man roster. I, I know it's not a five-man roster, but I just don't see. Uh, I just don't see how that planning time. I just, I just, I just don't see how the whole thing plays out. But this is the point. This is the argument because I think this is about how Suns fans are split too. I think there's two distinct groups. There are two uh, uh, just like this, and, oh. and 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 I get it. And Can we I, not you know, live in a world where everybody hates each other? I, well, I don't hate Dave. Everywhere. I don't. I don't hate you. I don't hate anybody that holds the <laughs> holds the opinion. Well, maybe I hate Dave, but I don't hold that against <laughs> anybody else that that Cheers. that holds the opinion that you should keep Kelly. I get it, but uh, you know, I just I don't I don't see long term how it makes sense. Okay. Maybe you're saying, okay, we'll gain cap space next year uh, to, to go play in. Well, no, but I'm it's saying, actual. I'm saying if you're not planning, if the plan isn't to keep Kelly, if it's just a one year, run it back next year. And then in all likelihood, we just gain uh, Ubre's cap space. Hey, in if 2021. we look, if we based, if, if the, a team was forced to make a decision one year that they couldn't change their mind on a year later, Two years later, this would be uh, the Suns would be even worse than they already are. A year ago, DeAndre Ayton was a turnstile on defense, and you didn't necessarily want him to be the, a defensive anchor. A year later, now you can consider him being a defensive anchor, and you can consider other guys being out there that he could cover for. Um, so things do change every things do change every single um, uh, off season and every single year that, that players play. Saul Bookman's in the chat saying Dave's plan. Everyone gets 40 minutes per game. Has anyone ever heard of Mike D'Antoni? Everyone played 30, 35 minutes a game. There were seven of them, eight of them. Yeah. And and everybody can get the minutes. Everyone can eat. I don't want Kelly Oubre get, or I don't, don't, excuse me. I don't want Elliot Kobo getting all these backup minutes just because you're only supposed to give, (laughs) 
10 guys a good minutes every game. Mike D'Antoni almost killed the guys on that roster. Do you remember Mike how bad been in more eight, playoffs yeah. than the Suns have? Yeah, do you remember how yeah. bad an eight-man rotation turned out to be? <laughs> All right, in we the need to run? let Jared talk. Sorry, Jared. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm kind of like enjoying putting my arms No, back please watching, talk, talk, Watching talk. you guys do your thing. I mean, I just, let me, I mean, Dave, I'm, I'm with you, but like, and I totally get what you're saying. And, and I totally get the point of, like, why would we trade away a player that's a good asset? We've been trading away good players for years, and we have something good going. I just think that there's some great pieces out there. Like, there's some great opportunities out there. There's some really intriguing names to go with players uh, that we currently have. Like, I'm a big Lowry Markinen fan. Like, remember when there was all those rumors about him and the Bulls wanted to get rid of him? Like, like that. that's a player that stands out to me that you put him next to Aiton with the way Aiton, to your point, made strides defensively. And you have a guy, an inside-outside option in your front court. Um, you know, if there's a sign and trade or a way to open up space to ensure that you get Fred Van Vliet, who I think would be a phenomenal option, both as a future point guard for this team and playing with Rubio. Like, do you recall how great Javon Carter and Campaign played together on the same uh, court in the bubble? Like, imagine if that's Ricky Rubio and Fred Van Vliet in the same offense in the same rotation. Uh, there are guys out there that that can be ripe for the taking if the Suns had the flexibility to do so. And to have that flexibility, it may take having to unload Kelly. And uh, while I get what you're saying about the type of player he is, the, the rankings that he had uh, within the roster but based on stats and volume and and efficiency and 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 it's and from a chemistry standpoint, it'll be really hard to lose a guy like that. But I mean, even even the thought of putting a, a Serge Ibaka next to DeAndre Ayton with the way he can defend and also shoot and play the inside outside game. And I know you guys like Christian Wood a lot. There are just some names out there that you could almost ensure that you get as a result of making this trade that I think could be phenomenal pieces for the team, uh, not just this coming year, but for a few years to come. So that's where I struggle. That's why I kind of tend to lean trading Kelly. But if you're just trading up in the draft or you're getting a player that's kind of relatively equal in terms of value to a team, but maybe plays a different position. I'm with you. I'm out. It has to be the right move. But, and I would rather keep him for one last season and let him walk than do something that's kind of a lateral move or a let's throw something at the board and hope and sticks, hope it sticks with the draft pick again. Let's let's make, let me make this clear. I'm not saying they should TJ Warren, uh, Kelly Oubre here. This is not get cash considerations and call it a day. Like you only make the move if if it's strategically hey, makes make your better. favorite tweet ever, and that's a low bar. That's a really low bar. But your my favorite tweet ever of yours was hash considerations. If the Suns opened up their own medical marijuana joint, well, can can you give a little context? It, I I went <laughs> down that road because Sean Kemp opened one in Seattle, and we did basically. If the Suns had a dispensary, what would it be called? So hash consideration. Which was a fun conversation. That was fun. I like that. <laughs> All right. Let's, I think we've uh, I think we've made it very clear that we are not going to settle. Yeah. We're not going to settle the Kelly Oubre debate. It's settled. Uh, this is very much <laughs> like some of these political debates. We're just going to keep shouting, uh, and I'm the only one that can mute anybody, and I don't feel And you guys are the ones right. going, we have a very good plan coming. We haven't outlined exactly what that plan is, but we have a very good one coming to replace the one exactly that's already how there. I feel. It, it's exactly how I feel in this debate. We have we have a beautiful Kelly Oubre plan, and at some point I'll show you what it is, but not right now. Let's move right. on. We've got uh, big other news coming up in the NBA that uh, broke uh, 
yesterday, actually, uh, it was kind of a godsend because when you're doing a show in the middle of uh, the off season, <laughs> you go, what the hell are we going to talk about? And then Sham Sharania said, this is what you're going to talk about when he broke the news that the NBA is looking at a 72 game season that would start December 22nd and, and that there may not be an all-star game and that that season would include a play-in tournament. All right, that is that is the framework of what the NBA and the NBA Players Association is going to uh, negotiate on. Uh, question, and we'll let Jared start first this time, uh, and actually talk maybe. Uh, <laughs> what what do you think of of this plan? And does a truncated free agency period potentially benefit the Phoenix Suns? I think uh, to answer the first part, I, I think it's I think it's great news for a team like the Suns and maybe teams that didn't play as far into the bubble because I mean I back when I was in the in my past life when I was in the media world you always met with the players both from from professionally down through high school on their off season workouts and their ramp up periods and their resting and and for teams like the Lakers and and the uh, and the rest of the teams that were in the, the final few weeks of the bubble, it, it's going to be tough to scale down and then ramp back up in two months. So what does that mean? They're, they're probably going to have to rest some people early in the season or or at least uh, scale it back a little bit. And that could be the benefit of a team like the Suns or other teams that uh, have have had plenty of time off to rest and, and ramp up for, a, for an upcoming season. They, the Suns or the Suns, the NBA really needs to make a decision here though because these players they're like well-oiled machines and and they need to know when they're starting so that they can get regimented and on the same page uh so that aside i think it i think it benefits moving quicker for a team like the suns because they've had their sights on this offseason long before covid was a thing long before the bubble was a thing and long before we knew what the starting date was going to be they, they had to have a plan because of the players that were going to be leaving the roster this season um, and, and, and all the other things that we've also just already discussed in terms of whether they keep Kelly Oubre or not. Um, so I, I hope you never know when it comes to the Suns, but I would think that there's a plan of execution. And with a team that has, you know, less time to do it, they might be able to put the, the pedal to the metal and, and be able to try to execute this quickly and swiftly and be one of the teams to, to have some of the first dominoes to fall as opposed to being the teams that have to, to step back and wait for the big pieces to fall because those big max contracts aren't a part of this free agent pool this year. So I think it benefits them uh, for a few different reasons. Um, and it benefits them from gameplay next year because, you know, a team like the Lakers and the Clippers, who are both in their division, uh, played pretty far into the playoffs and they and they might need to, to scale it back a little bit at the start of the season while they're still training their bodies and still healing uh, from the bubble. So the, for those who don't follow the news, let me just give a quick uh, summary of what news did break uh, before we give uh, too many more opinions about it. Um, we always knew that, <clears throat> well, we've known for the past month or two that the draft is going to happen on November 18th. That The reason that's going to take a full month after the end of the season is the uh, the bookmaker, bookkeepers, not bookmakers, but bookkeepers have to figure out what the hell just happened in that season. How much money did the owners lose and all that financially? And then what's the cap going to be for next year? But once that November 18th hits, now they've decided that they're just going to go balls out into the next year. So November 18th is your draft. And then uh, within a week there, everybody wants to take the week 
the weekend off for Thanksgiving. But then as soon as Thanksgiving is over, we're going to have free agency and we're going to have trade season. So that's going to be by December 1. It could be even a few days prior to that. Training camps are going to open in early December. Training camps for next season. Then you're going to have to have some preseason scrimmages, kind of like they had the scrimmage games in the bubble. And then you're going to have regular season games starting as early as December 22nd. So we are talking a little, a lot of nothing for a month or two. And then all of a sudden, bam, and we're playing basketball. They're going to try to get into us in a 72 game season. Why does a 70 plus game season matter? TV contracts. So there's, there's two main, main sources of revenue in the NBA. 60% of the money, 6-0, 60% of the money comes from TV deals. And 40% of the money comes from gate receipts. In a perfect world, and in the world we've lived in until six months ago, the owners got both, and then they split 51% to the owners, 49% to all the players. Let's not talk about scale here. That's just the way it was, and that was as good as it had ever gotten. 51% to the 31 owners, 49% to the 40, uh, 450 players. But the revenue is, again, 60% um, uh, TV contracts, 40% gate receipts. You're not going to be able to get both in an NBA season. So you've got to get the best you can, and they've got to get the TV money first. And the TV money, you uh, most of those deals require a 70-game season, 7-0, 70-game season. So to do that, <clears throat> you've got to play the games. And to do that and not compete with the Olympics that are definitely coming next August, you've got to start early. And that's why the owners are going to start at Christmas. Well, I think your point too about TV is a, a good one on why you would want to start on the 22nd as well, because that traditionally that Christmas day is, is a huge TV day for the NBA. So uh, you, you, make sure you're not leaving your television partners with a gap on a day that, that usually is, is a big one for them. Uh, I think it is very interesting to look at this and, and try to figure out how you jam free agency in before you'd have to get to a training camp. If the season's starting on the 22nd, I think the only way you can do this is if you start free agency before the draft. Because you're not you're not going to jam free agency into a week before you got to report to training camp. That's just that is just uh, un uh, untenable for for anybody that uh, that's a free agent right now. Because then they're going to have to move to a new market potentially. Try to figure that out. They're going to try to have to practice. I I think they're going to have to start free agency that week before before the draft. I think it's the only way you're going to make it work. If, uh, if the 22nd of December is when you're starting the season and I'm actually fine with that. I, I don't think it impacts uh, a, a huge amount. I think it actually makes the draft more interesting because teams will then have filled holes in free agency and it changes the way you draft. I, I would be very intrigued to see how that plays out for the Suns. I think any kind of truncated free agency uh, is beneficial to them because it means guys you're going to go here's our here's our first and best offer uh th this is the money that that we can give you uh and and it's going to be expedited people are going to make decisions quicker and i think that bodes well for the for the team with 
probably uh, like we talked about last week with one of the most uh, rooms in their cap and then one of the one of the most uh, intriguing options from a roster standpoint with money like uh, yeah. you got a lot of bad teams with money the suns are one of the few that look like they're up and coming so you may get a guy that makes a decision much quicker uh and maybe even takes a little less simply because there's not time to play the games there you're not you're not sitting here and and sitting on an offer for for a week because uh, because you're trying to play it against other teams this is going to be you know Pick your poison right now. Uh, there's there's not a lot of not a lot of opportunity to uh, tap dance around. As long as the player that they're not really excited and aggressive to go after right at the very beginning of free agent is a free agency is Trevor Ariza. As long as it's not that person <laughs> that they can be really excited about to jump on right when free agency opens, then uh, hey, that yeah, could I be think- that could be a big segment for the show. Is who's who are this year's uh, Trevor Ariza's that the Suns need to avoid desperately. That's a great idea. Absolutely. But, uh, but, and one of the guys that they should have gotten during the, who's not a Trevor Reza is Fred Van Fleet and he's there. So I don't know, hopefully he was there back then too. So, so uh, hopefully, hopefully they, they're being aggressive. I think of all off seasons for them to be aggressive and maybe work in their favor could be this one based on their situation. Uh, but, but hopefully it's not a, a Trevor Reza type move. Look, I, I'm afraid Christian Wood is the Trevor Reza of this, uh, of this period somebody's gonna gonna back up the brinks truck and then they're gonna realize oh there's a reason this guy has been on so many teams and, and uh, maybe he was a good stat uh, a bad team guy that is my biggest fear hey here. maybe he could be chauncey billups chauncey billups was on like four different teams until he suddenly became a championship oh, player i don't but yeah chauncey billups was also a guy that was drafted high in in a draft and talent was seen there christian wood wasn't that guy i just I, I'm not saying that that Are is. Are you saying he's Milli Vanilli? Is that yes, one hit he's, wonder? He's lip syncing. He was lip syncing in Detroit <laughs> and now, uh, and he won a few Grammys and we've all found it out now that he's going to get the bag. No, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying that's my fear going into this, especially because, uh, you know, a truncated. Uh, timetable, you may wind up bidding against yourself and somebody may go Christian Wood, 17 million right out the gates just because they're they're like, oh, we, we need to make that splash. And, you know, and like <laughs> that guy's going to jump at that about as fast as you can. And I've heard he he may be a unique individual. I was uh, talking to some sources, and uh, sure, of course, maybe a bit of a head case. Is, hey, I loved it. Bad. You know, um, people have talked about Hassan Whiteside coming back out of nowhere too, right? So actually, um, Christian Wood makes me think of that kind of guy, Hassan Whiteside. And I heard, uh, I can't remember who talked about it, but he's a former front office person who talked about Hassan Whiteside when he first came into the league. He was a different dude. And um, in in the respect that he didn't even like uh, – he didn't know how to live life as an individual outside of his out of, outside of his parents' home, and so that's one of the reasons Hassan Whiteside washed out of the league. And it took him about four years or so to figure things out enough to be able to function and then use his talent. And since then, he became a max player um, with Miami, and now he's got traded to Detroit because they overpaid him when they gave him max money. And now he's going to be uh, bandied about by like uh, somebody slightly better than Timothy Mozgov. So it could be that Christian Wood is like that because of the unique individual part that that's why you wash out. Um, even if you have great talent, but uh, he also 
Christian Wood might be straightening everything out and becoming, you know, the next, uh, the next Hassan Whiteside. Look, I got to bring up one of uh, the comments in, in the chat. One of our flaming ballers, uh, Steve Holler says, full of fears. Yeah, have you been a Suns fan for any time? <laughs> the last ten, the last ten years just instills fear in you when it comes to making decisions. And oh, the history of the team always having something bad happen. How about, happen how about a time. mean El Hassan? He was on the jump the other day, and and actually, I've been look. He's obviously got a bone to pick with the Suns organization. He has a good right to have that bone to pick. Uh, but man, he went on the jump the other day, and they were asking, "What's your hot take for next season?" His hot take was the Suns come out playing like crap and Devin Booker demands a trade by midseason. It's oh. like, come on, man. That's, that's, <laughs> that's talking about playing on fears. That's not even yeah, a lukewarm right. take. That's just a, yeah, that's what everybody expects take. Like, well, that's what on. the rest of the panel said. They're like, that's not so hot, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's like what that's what everyone comes to expect, you know. And and I just that's 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 more someone wanting to go off and wanting to to be controversial or or have a, has a bone to pick. Like Actually, you said, my that, hot take is that year two, year two point five of Monty is going to be freaking awesome. That's my hot take because but, no one else is going to actually believe it. Look, that that was a mean uh, going to the hibachi grill before it's even on and trying to claim it's hot. We need that's to re like, re respell his name A M E A N. Yeah, well, that's always how his name should have been spelled. <laughs> By the way, uh, David Bailey in the chat says Espo needs some of the Suns cannabis. So, uh, I don't know. I cash think that considerations. Might act, I think cash considerations might actually make me more nervous than uh, than anything else. So or, let's. Uh, Let's let's get moving Chris on. Blaze Megatron next. in the chat said, oh, "Geez, <laughs> seven seconds of memory." <laughs> of course, a guy that has uh, dubbed himself Blaze would have some uh, some <laughs> jokes in terms of that. No surprise there. But let's uh, uh another thing that uh, uh that could be considered a hot take here is Devin Booker's uh Devin Booker's two K rating. Uh, they released me. it. They released it earlier this week. Uh on for the next gen consoles for you for you uh older kids like dave out there the next gen consoles are are the new P, uh, xbox the new ps5 that that's coming out uh so they released ratings for that and uh our graphics department had a little fun with this i'll just i'll just put the the rating up there and the image <laughs> Devin Booker was an 88, and basically, uh, I think Devin's right here, uh, going the double barrel here. Uh, if I, if the graphics department, it's like you crossed you, it with Drake. You just did. You mixed. You missed Booker with Drake. No, look, look. This was the actual image that they sent out with actually two more fingers up with this with this 88, and our graphics department decided to go this route. If it offends you, I apologize. Go find another Suns uh, Suns show. For those of you uh, listening on the podcast, Devin Booker uh, was given an 88 rating on NBA 2K21. They put out a graphic with him holding up three fingers on uh, on both hands, and uh, our graphics department just read between the lines. If you uh, we get what give I'm saying, give the graphics so. department a raise. They, they deserve <laughs> extra work. I appreciate. I, their efforts <laughs> i just i just think uh, and we won't spend too much time here because it's a video game good and in the end good who, who gets <laughs> right who, who gives a crap right but like, come on man the the guy proved 
in the bubble on a national stage how damn good he is. He won the NBA 2K championship in their little tournament. What does he have to do to get some respect? I know the answer could be make the playoffs. Well, that's a team thing. <laughs> These are individual ratings. We're just making up a number for how good a guy is. And Devin Booker is better than 88. That's He deserves at least a 90. One, the outrage on this is just so ridiculous, though. Like, this is like being like, oh, you're having a debate over who would win a one-on-one game between Michael Jordan in his prime and LeBron James in his prime. Like, it's never like it's just it's a it's a it's a, a meaningless debate. And 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 the other part of it is, do you see the other players that are ranked 88? Like, did you go through the rankings, Espo, other than just seeing that he is ranked 88? Like, I'm looking at the list right now. Clay Thompson is an 89. Donovan Mitchell's 88. Trey Young, 88. Chris Paul, 88. Paul George, 88. Russell Westbrook, 88. Siakam, 88. Bradley Beal, 88. It's Give us some. Like, what are some of the 90s and pluses? Well, okay, look, so 90 is Kyrie Irving. 90 sh- is Carl Anthony Towns. Nikola Jokic has 90. Jason Tatum, 90. Joel Embiid, 91. Like, so you're saying it's is, about a pretty good rating. is what, you're, you're uh, what I'm saying is if you really want to get into the respect category here, I'd say the fact that he's listed amongst the players <laughs> as an 88 ranking is pretty damn good. And it's pretty amazing that he has reached the point where he's in the same conversation as some of these guys. That's what we've been wanting, isn't it? So well, I think we hold just on, we hold throw on. the number. Shut up, Jared. The- <laughs> <laughs> Do not, not bring logic into up, this man. conversation. No, Jared! <laughs> We're gonna talk video game ranking. Dunk it all over Espo. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you why this is a dumb argument, just both from the fact that he was ranked probably where he should be, and why are we even talking about video game rankings? So what you need is a little stuffed Espo doll and dunk him in the in the basket behind there you. There's my phone. <laughs> ah! Yeah, yeah. You know what? You're not welcome back. I'm I'm Woo! muting Jared for the remainder of the episode. It's been awesome to be part of the solar panel. I appreciate you guys having, nice having you. Let, let's be lifelong fan. Let, let's let's be honest. It doesn't matter. It's just a fun thing, and I really just wanted an excuse to put the graphics department to work. So they and so, they deserve a raise, like I said. So let's talk Amari uh, and. Uh, I was just going to say that Amari's on Nash's staff, but I know how the Flaming Ballers are in the chat, so we won't say that. He's he's become a member of the coaching staff of the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, I'm so glad the Phoenix Suns have Monty Williams in this coaching staff and that they proved themselves last year because I could not have taken uh, an offseason of Suns fans complaining, why don't we have Nash and Amari as our coaching staff? Yeah. I, I oh, just, we I still got a little bit of that, that on Twitter. Well, if you think that the Sun should hi- should have hired fired Monty Williams and hired Steve Nash and Amari Stoudemire, I got some uh, waterfront property in Yuma I want to sell you because uh, you, you oh. can see see the ocean from there. Is what Jared, I'm trying ooh. to tell you. Yeah, <laughs> that like, sounds very nice. That's yeah. well. I never well, look, yeah. I, I, I and I'm selling it for millions. Is that, uh, so, is Jared, that if you want, Bender it. Island. Bender Island is out in Yuma. Yes. We've been looking <laughs> to get the kids out of the house all, all COVID. I didn't know you had that lovely place in Yuma. I wish I did. <laughs> so, so what do you, what do you guys make? Uh, and Jared, we could start with you. What do you guys make of, uh, of Amari becoming a member of, uh, of the coaching staff in Brooklyn? And do you think Steve Nash is set up for success out there? 
I think he is set up for success purely by the roster that he has inherited as the new head coach. Um, and I think it's going to be fun. He is a, he's a genius on the basketball court, you know, but you never know, you know, it's one thing that you could see. <clears throat> one thing that you can facilitate when you're on the court can, we've seen time and time again that, you know, former players who are great on the court can't necessarily translate it to, to coaching. Um, but I'm excited for him. I think adding Amari is just a lot of fun. I, I think it's fun that it's from a, just a storyline standpoint, the two of them together, coaching together, uh, you know, maybe running, you know, screen and roll practices and things like that as a unit uh, could be a lot of fun and is a cool storyline. And, and, you know, and I can see Amari becoming like a, a Mark Bryant has been to a DeAndre Ayton for the, for the Nets. Uh, Mark Bryant's been huge uh, for the Suns and he's been a, a, a catalyst for the, the low post game and trying to grow uh, DeAndre Ayton's game. And, you know, maybe Amari can really find a niche there, becoming a, uh, an assistant coach for big men and how to play the, the new age game um, that the Suns basically kind of were the, at the forefront of back a decade ago. So uh, I think I think this is a lot of fun for people that think that the Suns missed out here. You know, come on, like don't don't even go down that road. Uh, but but from a, as a Suns fan, I think it's neat to see them reunited. And and uh, I, I hope they don't do well because I'm not a big Nets guy. I'm not a big Kyrie fan. But um, but I, I do. I think any Suns fan wishes nothing but the best for both of them. And and hopefully they have some success and can make this more than a uh, uh, just a one hit thing or a big name thing and actually be a, a, a respectable coaching unit. I do wish nothing but the best for both of them. Absolutely. I worry about their potential for success. I don't know that they've been set up for success. Sure, they're going to win games. Yes, uh, the Brooklyn Nets are going to win games. They're going to win 50 games or whatever it is next year, assuming a little bit of health, maybe 55. Great. But as far as success for Steve Nash as a head coach, when your two best players were already in a post-hiring Nash interview saying, we're all kind of the head coach. I mean, I'm a head coach sometimes. Uh, Kyrie Irving, talk, Irving talking. KD's a head coach sometimes. We all contribute to head coaching. And then KD is there going, yep, I agree. We all contribute to it. Well, that kind of means if you have a lot of head coaches, you have no head coach. So I, I think it's going to be tough for Steve to actually succeed as a head coach, although he might win some games. We know coaches still lose their jobs and, and, and all that if they, if they don't work out perfectly with their roster. Now, it's possible Steve is an everyman that will be okay with his players wanting to be the head coach sometimes. Um, but I, I just don't know if he's set up for success. And, and frankly, I love Amari, but you know, coaching was about the last thing I ever expected from Amari. Um, and sure. and I don't know that he's a thinking man's guy as far as strategy and all that. He was more of just execute my crazy athleticism. And Nash was really the brains behind it. And maybe that'll be the true on the coaching staff. But, you know, Nash, you don't really need that. Uh, you don't need the Amari to be your finisher. Maybe, okay, are you going to pick and roll him into a coaching meeting? You know, so I'm not sure exactly how that's going to go. I wish nothing but the best. Um, Amari's going to introduce uh, pouring wine into the into the hot, into the tub coolers, you know, for, <laughs> for post games. They're all going to be soaking in wine after they win uh, their first round playoff series, maybe. I don't know, but that would be fun to watch. I, I, I'm, I'm curious to see what Amari's real contributions are. I want nothing but the best for him. I just never thought of him as a coach. So, um, I, I, gosh, I hope he's, he's I hope he proves me wrong. I really do. Yeah, I was in the same boat when I heard yesterday. I, I thought Shams uh, got the 
got the uh, report wrong. I was like, Amari as an assistant coach? Like, <laughs> did, I, I thought, did did he mean they signed him to, to the back end of the roster? Because everybody that knows. That was the what, most likely thing. Yeah. I thought so, too. Because, because that was last year. He was pushing to try to make it an NBA comeback. Uh, you know, the other report was that Dirk turned down Steve Nash for, for a spot on the coaching staff saying Dallas is the only place he'd do that. So to me, is Steve just going through the teammates he used to like and going, look, I, I got a ride here. You want, you, you want to cash in on this with me? Uh, I know KD I, and Kyrie are probably going to walk all over me. So I better have some friends with me to <laughs> tell my coaching staff to make sure it's an enjoyable experience. I, I think, I think the next move there is Mike D'Antoni becomes their lead assistant because I think the, the head yeah. coaching market has dried up for him this off season. I think he'll go. That would be and, excellent. And help Steve. But, uh, to Dave's point, what the heck is Amari going to teach? Like, are they going to have sessions on how to insert an unnecessary uh, a quote or an unnecessary uh, you know quotation mark in your uh, in your first name? Apostrophe. Like what apostrophe, apostrophe? Thank you is what yeah, I meant. And like I knew where like, you were going with that. Like, is that really <laughs> what we're? You. Thank you, I appreciate it, David. An extra apostrophe <laughs> in your first name, like uh, how, you don't teach athleticism, and that's what Amari made his made his career on so yeah he's uh, maybe they're trying to tap it maybe Kyrie. they're trying to tap in they're into that international uh player pool a little bit and want to use his insight on who could be good out there but then again do you trust amari as a scout or trust his his insights hey. there so maybe I, I'm, I'm with you guys Maybe they're just reaching out to the uh, Jewish population in Brooklyn. Maybe that's uh that's part of the reason they're oh, signing. Oh wow! Up. Whoa! What? Oh wow! That, that's not a knock. That's just <laughs> Amari's doing. He spent time in Israel. <laughs> Do you like, think what? the Jewish population would gravitate to him? <laughs> they I feel don't know. <laughs> they feel so the much Jewish... like him. They see themselves <laughs> in him. <laughs> Let's let's move to a segment that is a special segment because of our guest here. It is the Nick Cage Spectrum. For those of you not familiar with the Nick Cage Spectrum, the graphics team is just on point today. Yeah, look, I think you Nick give Cage the graphics Spectrum. team a twenty percent raise. Nick Gosh. Cage Spectrum. Uh, so, anyways, the, the Nick Cage Spectrum is a, an old bit that Jared and I used to do on a couple podcasts that we have uh, done in the past, where we pick a Nick Cage film that best represents a topic we're talking about. The topic today is the Suns' off season. Jared, where does the Suns' off season fall in the Nick Cage Spectrum? Okay, so I could go a lot of routes with this one, right? Because, you know, from from zero to, you know, the worst of Nick Cage or the best of Nick Cage, there's a, there's a lot of directions we can go based on who the Suns uh, could go after and how they could approach it. Uh, I went a kind of a different route, though. <clears throat> so I took the family man, okay? The family man. Have we seen the family man, Dave? I know you're a huge Nick Cage fan, too. Have you seen the movie <laughs> The Family Man? You know what? Face Off is one of my favorite movies, so. Face we'll Off is a that. great movie, but what we don't the Suns don't deserve Face the Off. The premise right of Face Off is incredible. How they completely changed the body of each guy too when they changed his face was it was remarkable. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Uh, so so I went with the Family Man, and here's why. So the the premise of that movie is you have Nick Cage, who's this hot shot Wall Street big time, super selfish, drives nice cars, has an incredible penthouse and does nothing but live for himself and is kind of a jerk. And then he meets someone in a, I think it's like a, a drugstore or something like that to get a, you know, a, some alcohol or whatever. 
And, um, and the next morning he wakes up and it's a snapshot, kind of like a glimpse of if he uh, ended up going and marrying the woman mm. that was his first love and has a daughter, has two kids actually. And, and uh, it kind of shows him what life would have been like if he had a family and he learns a lot about himself and he becomes more in tune with what's important and, and so on and so forth. So my comparison here is the Suns have had a bunch of just trash, horrible, just ridiculous years that, that have just not worked out well for them as an organization and for us as fans. The bubble was almost that snapshot of what it could look like and what what success could be like as a result of going a different route or handling things a certain way or identifying plays, players a certain way. And it could mean that we then, in turn, go and find your girlfriend from pre-being selfish and about yourself and maybe sitting down and having a discussion. Not necessarily getting back to dating, not necessarily becoming married and having the kids that you saw in that glimpse, but just have sitting down and having a conversation of, of, you know what, I made a mistake back then, but now I've seen what it looks like to go about it the right way. And maybe we really need to sit down and take a look at this and make sure we handle it so that we're going in the right direction. So I, my Nick Cage spectrum is a family man, and hopefully the Suns see the bubble as that glimpse of going about it the way that this team should going forward. Look, Jared, I always love when you put this much thought into your Nick Cage spectrum, the dumbest segment that anybody has ever done on a podcast. It's, because here's the thing, and, and to, bring good, Dave in, to, to bring Dave into this, though, because like the reason why we came up with the Nick Cage spectrum way back when, Dave, was because we were so sick of mainstream media breaking down games in a way that just people either was completely obvious to everyone or made no sense because they went down this rabbit hole of ridiculous analytics or were focusing on such small parts of games to paint this big picture. And that's but we're like, you know what, we need to find a better way to describe this stuff, a better way to, to go about it, a better way to present it, and maybe a more entertaining way to go about it. And Espo, I love it. Nick, Espo throws out Nicolas Cage movies, and I'm like, sold. And to be <laughs> honest, it's become my favorite way. Even when we're not doing podcasts together, I will watch Cardinals games and be be like, how can I compare this to a Nick Cage movie? <laughs> like, like because that would be the true barometer of how I feel about it. So that's the origin of it. So that's why I put so much thought into it, Espo, because for me personally, it's the best gauge to actually describe a sporting event. Uh, we could have called it the Nick Gage. We didn't. Oh, well, man, we missed it. Uh, we missed an the opportunity. Nick Gage. Oh, the Nick Gage. Look, per usual. I mean, you guys just came up with a better title. <laughs> Uh, per per usual, uh, actually, like, I like Nicholas Cage, Nick Cage Spectrum. I like that one better. <laughs> by by the way, Jared, per usual, I have not put as much thought as you into it, uh, <laughs> but that's fine because you're here for the quality Nick Cage analysis, and yes. I'm here to just make dumb jokes. So, in that vein, I'm going with Raising Arizona as my uh, as my choice. A movie about a robber who marries a policewoman. Uh, they both want kids. They find out they're infertile and uh, Nick Cage who happens to be named H.I. McDonough in in this movie uh, has to then go steal uh, basically kidnap a child for them it's actually a comedy too so 
keep that in mind. That's an interesting premise for a comedy. But basically, I feel like the Suns are going to have to find a way to steal a young guy that fits this roster that helps make them better this offseason. Uh, and they're going to have to do it in a way that overcomes their own McDonough issues, right? Uh, uh, <laughs> so they're going to they're gonna have to figure out a way to make this team better and not make the missteps that they've had in the past. <clears throat> Prove that Phoenix isn't infertile when it comes to making the playoffs, that they can burr the playoff uh, a playoff run here in the Valley. So raise Arizona. Arizona. And yeah, raise Arizona. Did that Back actually have a happy ending? That movie? Uh, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> I, but that, that actually fits the, uh, that actually fits the Suns too. We've all been, we've all been in our own personal uh, prison when it comes to the Phoenix Suns over the last decade and, and not making it to the playoffs. So, uh, so you know what? If that means it's time for, for one. Wait, other. wait, wait. What, what, Do what, I what, not what? get to participate? You said you yeah, didn't want You to. said you didn't want I, I did. Would love for but then Dave you guys Cage got me all fired up over Nick Cage movies. But, there've been so Please. many and actually the dude is just look he's he's crazy as a loon but he is a, he is in a lot of movies and so i've been running movies through my head during this segment and one of my favorite memories of nick cage is leaving las vegas just because he put on an elvis presley outfit um and parachuted into back into vegas to save his girlfriend sarah jessica parker um and then there was also the uh where he was the treasure hunter and he had the the group of nerds and and they they solved the they they found these uh national treasure i think that's the yes. name of the movies dave the yeah, premise of this of those segment, applies but, uh, by the way dave the, the segment isn't about just recalling Nick Cage <laughs> movie you con air though i'm gonna go with con air because he kicked ass to just to to totally take over everything and win in the end so um i'm, I'm going with con air Conair was the one I used last time we did a uh, when Nick oh, yeah? together. It's a it's a, a popular one for the spectrum. That's for I, sure. I love that. I love that Dave made my thought process look immensely deep in this. Time for <laughs> I'm uh, only here to help. Well, uh, and we appreciate that, Dave. Time for Espo's big board. That's right, Espo's big board this week. Graphics department getting more more money on this one because with Borat two coming out uh, <laughs> yesterday on Amazon. Prime, I decided it's time to do the five best foreign Suns players that are my favorite. It's Espo's big board time. Let's hop into it and uh, let's see if I actually remember who I put number five. Oh, I that's hope right. The graphics team is part of this. All right. Uh, it's not, it's it kind of. Uh, I, I let the, the photos of these gentlemen speak for themselves. The first one, Georgie Glukov. Uh, most of you may not remember him. Glushkov. but. But he was from uh, Glushkov, excuse me, from yeah. uh, from the eighties. He was one of the first players from the Eastern European bloc to ever sign in the NBA. And the legend goes that he fell in love with McDonald's so much that he ate himself out of the league, basically <laughs> in the first year. And if there's anybody that Espo can get behind, it's a guy that ate himself out of the league with McDonald's. Let's be that's honest. The guy about they it. Should have used, Miller. That's the guy they should have used for the Super Size Me documentary. That <laughs> that would have been a that would have been a better oh, play. Oh man! Oh, so so yeah, Georgie Glukov, uh, however you want to say it, Dave, <laughs> is my vote. Uh, we've got a, an honorable mention at number five as well. It's Bender Island, of course. Dragon's got to make the list. Uh, you know, I couldn't justify putting him any higher than five, though. As much as we love him here on the solar panel, uh, it, it, 
Dragon isn't going to make it higher than than number five on this list. I, I'm sorry, Dragon. I, I love you, but you've still next, got that property. I do. I own it, and I'll own it forever. But you're not making it higher than five because this guy. Number four on my list, Marcin Gortat. Yeah. One of my favorite players ever to yeah. come through Phoenix. I'm surprised man, he's not number one from you. I thought he was going to be number one for sure. Oh, oh, number one is is special and near and dear to my heart. Yeah, you you'll you'll appreciate it when you see who number one is. But Marcin Gortat, the man who coined brothel on two wheels, the man who once <laughs> told me that he uh in a, a profanity uh laden tirade that he was a better player. Uh, than Dwight Howard, and nobody ever recognized it. One of my favorites of all time uh, to interact with, to interview. Archin Gortat is number four on the list. Uh, number three, not going to be a surprise to anybody who's listening to this show, Goran Dragic. That's right. Oh, man. Thank the you for saying his name right, by the way. What? Yo, I, so few people say his name right. I really oh. appreciate you saying his name right. Goran Dragic is the is high on my list. Another person, uh, I as much as I loved him as a basketball player, he is a better human being. One of the only players who ever would ask me how my family was doing, knew yep. my wife's name, uh, would have genuine human conversations. He'd go out of his way if if I was down on on level zero where the locker room was, uh, and and come over and and say hi to me even if I didn't see him. Uh, I'll forever and love uh, Goran Dragic when it comes will, to, to that. Go I'll up. never forget the day. I'll never forget the day of that drama with McDonough, uh, the interview scrum. I was oh, down there man. for that back in <clears throat> you, you I know I think you guys are down there too. I will never forget the look on his face. I don't trust never. him. Yeah. It was like a hostage video. Like it was so yeah. uncomfortable. Like he was being oh. forced. You know, to it's it to this day. I'm still amazed that the Suns made him available for that because you know how the Suns are so close, close to the ch close to the vest, on on setting themselves up to look bad in any capacity. I am shocked to this day that they allowed him to do an interview uh, during that. Remember. It was in week. the it was in the hallway though. It wasn't even like in an open, well lit area. It yeah. was in that hallway outside yeah. of the practice court, and it was super dark. And I was a camera guy, so the lighting yeah. was terrible. And uh, it just it was dark and ominous. I still remember being in the so locker room. Yeah the the uh, the end of the game right before the All Star break. The Suns were still they had a winning record. We're still twenty eight and twenty five. I think going into the All Star break, it could be slightly off, but I think it was that. They had lost a few going into the break, and so Goran was really frustrated. Obviously, Goran was frustrated that entire season because he'd been relegated to small forward in that in that lineup with It and Bled. <clears throat> and um, I still remember Goran doing his interview in his corner of the locker room, his far left corner of the locker room, and then all the Keith boys, you know, the Mo boys, Morris brothers, and Eric Bledsoe and Archie Goodwin. That was like quite the foursome at the other end of the locker room. And they were cracking, joking it up, um, laughing and, and getting, you know, just joking totally about something. And Gorham was the one who was pissed off for having just lost the game, right? Going into the all-star break. And I remember him in the middle of like hearing, listening to a question, he just kind of turned his head and he just kind of looked at those guys cracking up down the hallway and they just turned back and then he oh answered God. his question. And, Three days later, or five days later, he he demanded a trade. 
Wow. Yep. I, but always, no matter no matter where he plays, no matter how he plays, always one of my favorites. So number two on the list, and I think this is going to surprise people that this man is number two. It's Steve Nash is number two on my <laughs> big board of of foreign players to play for the Phoenix Suns. Yes, Steve Nash, Captain Canada, born in uh, in South Africa, makes the list at number two, uh, two times. Like different language to be really considered foreign. I mean, we can all speak Canadian. Come on, <laughs> yeah, th- I'm I'm counting him because he deserves Esco to be on Canadian. The list. I didn't know that. Uh, hey, you hoser. <laughs> Uh, see, I can speak Sorry. Canadian. I just offended an entire country with one comment. But, you know, I, I'm on a roll today in offending other countries. But number one on the big board, and if you have followed me ever, you will know who this is going to be. Number one on my top five foreign Suns players. It's Marco Millich, as I forget to change the image. And it's still Steve <laughs> yeah, what Nash the hell? on the he image. not Marco Millich. Marco Millich. There, there you go. go. Uh, the man who once <laughs> jumped over a green. A before Honda Blake Griffin did Be- yes. yes, before back in 1997. And the reason I love this man is it's, he's the first video I remember seeing on an NBA on NBA.com. The son signed him, and we got a postage size postage stamp size and and for kids we used to use those to send mail the thing that comes in that <laughs> box outside your house uh but a postage stamp size video that was as grainy as hell like uh uh it, it, you know when you uh, when you send a video from an iphone to an android phone and it compresses mm-hmm. it and it looks really crappy imagine yeah. that being a hundred times worse and it was a, a little <laughs> video of marco Milic <laughs> jumping over that honda del sol uh and, and dunking and i fell in love with the guy from that point my eternal quest to find an authentic marco Milic jersey continues but he's number one on the How's list the tom tupa search going uh, I actually am going to have a Tom Tupa jersey in my collection in the very, very near future. So yeah. that Can't is wait. Espo's big board that was inspired by a Borat do coming out. So that is uh, Espo's big board for this week. When Thank you, you for when you got me excited for number one. I thought it was going to be Utah Tabusi for yeah. a second what? there. And yeah, there's so many. I had a feeling. Narco Chabarkova. Come on. Come on, yeah, the you, only the only NBA player who's ever been Espo's height that played for the Suns. Utah <laughs> Tabusi. That's not true. I was taller than Isaiah Thomas. So oh, I guess yes, uh, true. that's a good poll. That's a good poll good right point. there. Espo. Yes. So good point. So shut up, Dave. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so let's uh let's get into we're gonna do only two questions from the uh flaming ballers bag this week because we have run way over uh, because my ability to rein all this in uh, obviously is not as good as former people who used to be uh, the, the, the ringleader of this uh, brothel on wheels. So uh, we're going to head into, and I had this all queued up and then I must've hit something during the flaming ballers uh, or during the, uh, uh, you must have hit the, the Espo's big board. Espos. But well, you wanted to use this. your thumbs and you made it, you made it hey. so that you used your thumbs <laughs> and the, your, your phone tab went away. So uh, Cody Hunt wants to know, what are your expectations going into next season? Will it be a huge disappointment if the Suns don't make the playoffs? Jared, why don't you uh, take the lead here? 
Yes, playoffs are bust for me. And whether that's realistic or not, um, I don't know. We'll see as what, what comes of the draft and free agency. But regardless of what they do this offseason and in the draft and in free agency and whatever trades they make, regardless of what they do as it stands right now, it is playoffs or bust for me. They have to make that jump. And seeing how much Jamal Murray, Damian Lillard, and some of these other yeah. guys really just showed out in the playoffs and the bubble and how their stardom took a next step. And even Donovan Mitchell, once again, we really need that for Devin Booker. I want that for Devin Booker. He showed a glimpse that he's capable of doing that in the bubble in those eight games and get some traction from a publicity and national love standpoint. They need to take that next step as an organization. So it is absolutely playoffs or bust. We spent four years... Uh... Um, dealing with people saying, can Devin Booker really produce for a team that plays well? Can Devin Booker really produce in meaningful games? We had important um, national analysts saying that Devin Booker might just actually need to scale it back and become um, a contributor on a good team rather than a leader on a good team. And what does he do? He leads the be- the most meaningful games he ever got were for the Suns in this bubble, and he dominated. And he was first team all bubble, and he probably, if it weren't for Damian Lillard, he would have been MVP of the bubble, um, the pre-playoffs bubble. And, and yes, the entire playoffs, as Jared says, I was just sitting there just shaking my head, just going, Booker should be here. Booker should be here. There should be no more times that Booker is not in the playoffs. He's already five years into his career. You can't spend your entire career on the outside looking into this bubble of this playoffs. So the Suns have to get him in the playoffs. That's why I'm saying keep Kelly Oubre, keep your best players, add new players. Don't subtract and don't, don't push down the road. All these chips need to be in. Within reason, obviously, you don't mortgage the entire future, but you don't have to. Keeping Kelly Oubre is not mortgaging the future. Put the best players, group of players around Devin Booker and then just win some freaking games. I, I with the play-in tournament uh, that's sounding like it's here to stay, I think it's the Suns finishing in the eighth seed in the regular season will be, I will feel all right with that. If something fluky happens in some play-in tournament and they don't quite make the playoffs, at least finishing eighth in the West uh, will feel like an accomplishment to me. Uh, playoffs or bust is uh, is pretty close, but if they finish eighth in, the, in a tough Western Conference and then something fluky happens in a playoff tournament situation, Fine, I'm okay with that. But you need to show that you are one of the top teams, top eight teams in the West, that you've made improvement, that you are above 500. Like uh, that's a watershed mark for this team too, because as well as they played, even with the eight no mark uh, in in the bubble, they were still under 500 when this whole thing wrapped up for them. So finishing over 500, being in the top eight in the West. Uh, whether or not they, they have some fluky thing happen in the bubble is the most important thing to me. I need to see that to understand that this team is moving in the right direction. If, if, if that does not happen, there's a problem here. You need to take that next step. That This past season was all about 
stepping up to prove that you weren't a, a bottom feeder. This next season is stepping up to prove that you were a true contender and, and that the bubble wasn't a fluke. So that's where, where I stand. Last question here as we wrap it up on the Sun Solar Panel, as we reach deep into the flaming baller sack, uh, assuming <laughs> uh, from Andrew, assuming the only major change we make is acquiring a backup guard with the mid-level exception and signing Wood, which these are these are a lot of assumptions here. <laughs> these are huge assumptions. These aren't small assumptions. Assuming, but assuming the offseason goes perfect and they get a backup guard that they need and Christian Wood at a at a reasonable salary, how good would the Suns be if Wood maintains the same production from last There's season? A lot another, of assumptions. Stretch hard and tell me what you guys think here, Dave. You could start. Oh, man. Okay. So if everything goes perfectly and they play as well as you expected them to play, <clears throat> I would say the Suns could win 50 games for sure. Um, it's going to be tough to get uh, really high up in the West. But, you know, I always say good teams win games. Um, good paper doesn't. So they got to be good on the court. And if they and, and if you're good on the court, you can win any games. You, um, <clears throat> you're in, you're competitive in ever in all the games. So I would definitely say 50 wins that way. Uh, maybe, I, I mean, going 55, they're a little young for that, but 50 wins I think is definitely doable. I, they I, should have been an office episode about good teams win games, good paper doesn't. Dunder that, Mifflin, I think, would be very <laughs> offended by that comment. That they, oh, The office missed an opportunity there. I, I was going to say the same thing. He pulled a reverse Michael Scott there. So, Jared, Jared, what do you think the ceiling would be uh, for oh, that man. team? How, what would you expect? You know, I, it's so hard to predict. Uh, if everything goes perfectly, you know, I, I tend to agree not not to make it for a lame podcast, but that four or five realm, I think, could be their ceiling uh, if everything goes flawlessly. Maybe better. I don't know. Uh, but but I think a lot of things have to go into their favor. Um, so uh, I don't I completely agree with Dave that that's probably the realm that that we're probably looking at. Uh, and I hope it's the case. But right now, I just want to make the playoffs. Yeah, four, 45 to, to 50 wins. I think there's going to be growing pains uh, where you have to get Wood and Aiton early on to, to figure out how to play together. There'd be some things to, to figure out, but I think 45 to 50 is where you would see that roster top out, depending on what the backup guard is, too. That's a big uh, that's a big question mark in there. By the way, uh, Blaze Megatron in the chat, one of the Flaming Ballers, said, Hamed Haddadi should have been number one. Who's your Haddadi should have made the list? I, right. I agree. That was a that was a giant <laughs> miss, literally and figuratively. Swinging on on my part on the uh, Espo Big Board. You know, they all. I can't. I can't make everybody happy. Let's be honest. So, uh, Jared, you know what would be the perfect off season though. Let me just throw it in. The perfect off season made me think of it when you mentioned Hamed. Is the Suns need to sign Boban to be the backup center to De DeAndre Aiden. God, the, the the locker room would be hilarious. The whole team would have much more fun. And DeAndre just struggles Aiden. with him. If you can't beat him, bring him on board. Bring, join know? him, exactly. Give yes, me bring the in the Boban. Yeah. <laughs> and then he would make the top of our list. Jared, yes. thank you so much for uh, for being yep. the guy that answered our text messages this week and, and <laughs> filling in on the program. Uh, we usually text uh, seven to eight people. You were the one oh, that stop. responded. No, thank yeah. you for uh, for joining us. <laughs> Tell the people where they can find you on the socials. 
Uh, you can follow me at Jared Cohen underscore on Twitter. Uh, I used to have a lot more to bring to the table there back when I was uh, in my past life, a member of the media. But now I just like to engage with people, talk Suns basketball, talk Cardinals, uh, talk, trying not to jump off a ledge with U of A basketball, getting a notice of allegations. Uh, so, so I'm always here to talk sports. So if you could find me on there, uh, that would be, that'd be probably the best way to, to track me down. Well, that is Jared Cohen. You find Dave King at Dave King NBA. No, he's not actually employed by the NBA. He just tries to enhance his importance <laughs> by including those three letters. Uh, you can it's find for me search metrics. You know that as <laughs> anyone at Espo. If he has NBA in the handle, it helps with the search optimization. Uh, you can find me at Espo. You can find the Suns. Find the show at Sun Solar Panel. Hit the like, hit the subscribe, join and become a flaming baller. You can also hit up sunsshirts.com. Pick yourself up a nice uh, Sun shirt and support the show. So for Jared, for Dave King, I'm Greg Esposito. Ahoy, hoy. We'll talk to you next time here on the Sun Solar Panel.